Welcome to Short Course, episode 109, for September 8th, 2023. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This is going to be a pretty jam-packed episode. There's been a bunch going on this week in USPSA land, so we'll dive right in. I got four topics, uh, some of which kind of overlap, but the first one is that the audit report has been posted on the website. So as I mentioned last week, it was voted on in the board meeting that the report was approved, and this week it made it out onto USPSA.org. I'm not sure if you have to be a member to look at it. I assume you probably do, but if you're logged in, go to USPSA.org finances, and you'll see it under the financial statements tab. And the, the bad news is it's worse than we thought, although it's definitely worse than some of the rumors, although the rumors have ranged from two to 300,000 up to five to 800,000 as a loss for the year. And the answer is somewhere in the middle. So basically the, the headline is that USPSA as an organization compared to what we had going into 2022 has $800,000 less value. Now, 550K of that is just a straight up cash loss. So that's cash or cash equivalents. It's just that much less in the bank. 250K was losses on investments. So to some degree, that's not entirely in the, in the control of the, uh, of the organization. Although there was an, an interesting section towards the end where there was a, a, a small table about a, a shift in 2021 from moving a bunch of money out of certificates of deposit into bond mutual funds. And as you can imagine in an inflationary environment, like we're living through right now, bonds are pretty terrible. So I'm sure that's a, that's a part of it, but the, the, the sort of high level takeaway is that at the end of 2022, USPSA had about a million dollars cash in the bank and two million in investments. So basically three million to its name. And if we keep losing five hundred thousand a year, then that's a six year runway. From what I'm hearing, the shortfall is is worse in twenty twenty three. So we are probably going to lose a similar amount, if not more, in, in twenty twenty three. Although there are a few one-time things that that I'll get to that that obviously won't hit us again, but it definitely seems like we are not. You know, when I I had a guy ask me at, a, at the match this past weekend, "Is USPSA going to be around?" and I said, "Well, if we got three million in the bank and we're losing three hundred thousand a year, that's ten years." Looks like it's it's a lot more grim than that. So it is interesting seeing the the numbers broken down to the degree that they are. And it is again, worth noting that this is so every third year, the, the finances are actually audited every, the other two years in a three-year cycle, we just send the accountant the statements and they review them, but they don't necessarily audit to the, to the same depth. So this is definitely the, the closest thing to a, a really deep inspection of, of how things are going. And so this is, this is a very clear picture insofar as what is in the report is in the report. Uh, so there's definitely more data and, and we'll get to that. There, there are other cost breakdowns that USPSA has that aren't in this audit, but what we have in the audit is is still pretty telling. So one thing that I, I found pretty interesting is that membership dues are actually up and they were up uh, to the tune of 250,000. So from 1.15 million up to 1.4 million in, in income from uh, membership dues. Nationals match fees were flat, front site advertising was flat, and the website advertising was down. So in 2021, we got 100K 
paid to us for advertising on the website and I'm guessing also the the USPSA app. I don't know if they're the same or not, but I'm guessing it was it was combined. In in 2022, that was only 25k, so a 75k decrease. But for the most part, other than than that 250k bump in in membership fees, the revenue side was was pretty much neutral. The damage all came on the expense side, and just looking at the the high level accounting as it is in in the in this audit, you can see that Nationals expenses went up 175k from the previous year. Postage went up 100k, travel went up 100k, professional fees, which I'm not really sure what that means, but it basically doubled. It was 110k in 2021. It went up to 210,000 in uh, in 2022, and then advertising, which I, as a cost is what we are paying, what USPSA is paying other places to advertise, also went up by 100,000. So a bunch of money going out the door in in each of those categories, and and if you add those up. They they come out to about what the the difference is in the in the money spent year over year. Now, okay, some of those costs postage that's not really something that we control. We pay the the post office however to send however many however many magazines we need to send. But things like travel, so travel went up from two hundred sixty thousand to three hundred sixty thousand, so way more than a six or ten or whatever the the CPI would have been now. Obviously, CPI is for a basket of consumer goods, not necessarily airfare. So you can you can quibble about these individual numbers, but these these increases are significantly more than inflation in the year of 2022. And as you see, reading the financials in 2021, USPSA made thirty two thousand dollars. USPSA just barely came out ahead. So even with everything that was going on, with all of the money printing and all the checks being sent to everybody during the lockdowns and everything, all of that. We, we managed to still come out ahead, but it was in 2022. And now it sounds like continuing into, into 23 that the, the spending is just completely outstripping the revenues. And I think this, this somewhat gives us a picture of why the membership dues was such a big jump because they, they see how big the hole is that, that needs to be filled. I still think a lot of hard looks need to be taken at where the the money is going and how we can stop spending it instead of just demanding the members pay more. I think the ship has pretty much sailed on that one. The membership dues will increase effective October 1st. And so that will help to patch this problem. But at the end of the day, until the the spending gets under control, eventually it'll just continue to, to escalate until even the higher membership fees are not enough to cover the spending. So this is this is a, a, a an outgo problem, not necessarily an income problem. Like I said, income went up, but expenses went up faster, and that's just unsustainable. And I think especially it will be interesting to see the the membership numbers, how many people are renewing, how many people will let their memberships lapse, especially with the, the dues increase. I think, yes, the annual dues are going up 60%. I don't think for a minute that will translate to a 60% increase in revenue because there will be a lot of folks that don't renew. And so whatever fraction of those people take away from, from the increased revenue. So that's all I'll talk about for today, but I'm, I'm sure we'll be coming back to these financial documents in the in the coming months and years because obviously this is our, our once a year view into what is going on at, at headquarters Except, and this sort of leads into the, the second item, so Practical Shooting Insights had gone dark for a while, but he is back, and he's been posting 
a number of financial breakdowns from some kind of insider source that he has at USPSA that has access to some of the, the financial tracking and reporting. And he's just been making posts on Instagram with all kinds of cost breakdowns, particularly around things like nationals. So if a if a given nationals lost seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars, which is what each nationals basically is losing, then it, it breaks down where the where the money is going. And it gives you a chance to kind of see, okay, is this a reasonable expense? How much are they spending on their own meals and entertainment versus the staff dinner? That kind of thing. The back-to-back nationals, so 2022 was somewhat unusual because originally that was the year that we had scheduled a four-division, I believe it was a four-day nationals at Cameo in Colorado. And after they had the two-gun match at Cameo, and when you signed in, you had to sign a waiver saying that you agreed that you weren't violating the 15-round magazine capacity limit. And if you were, then you had to hold USPSA blameless. That didn't really go over too well. And based on the outcry of that, the four-day, four-division handgun nationals was canceled and had to be rescheduled at Talladega. And that match ended up losing, you know, as a whole, that whole sequence of events ended up losing $300,000. It's hard to tell from the the itemized budget for that match exactly what the costs were. It seems like there's a, about a hundred thousand dollar line item that probably was was most of maybe the the pre committed costs that were lost as a part of moving the match from from Cameo to Talladega. But that was that was a foreseeable problem, and it was one of these things where USPSA leadership just said it's not an issue, it's not against the law, it's blah 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 whatever, and people were not willing to to risk it because the law it had there at one point there was a a bill in the Colorado state legislature to have an exception for traveling for competitions and that kind of thing but that bill died in committee and their law has no uh, no exception for that kind of thing it says if you didn't own the magazine on whatever day in 2013 then you can't have it in the state and are there matches that happen in Colorado where people fly under the radar with high cap magazines that maybe they didn't own? Sure, all the time. But hosting a nationals in the state is just going to draw more attention and just make the problem worse. This is this is not the way that a national organization should be running things and encouraging members to break the law. So that that whole fiasco was sort of a, a one time exception. But again, even even if that back to back match. Basically, it was two three-day nationals. Each one lost $100,000, and then there was this sort of mystery 100000 extra, I'm assuming, based on costs for relocating the match. So we're still looking at basically every time we book a range and have a staff match, a three-day competitor match across all of that, given the match fees and all the expenses that are, that are paid out to put on that match, every single nationals we're running costs us $100,000. And we put on six of them a year, or at least in 2022, we did multi-gun world speed shoot, the PCC pistol two gun match, and then three of the, you know, the regular USPSA division, the mostly handgun plus PCC, those, those divisions, I think it was classic and then PCC in production and then open and limited, something like that. All those lumped together. And obviously carry optics 2022 was the first year that carry optics was a standalone match. This year it was again standalone, and Jake has announced that next year it will be standalone and a four-day competitor match, so presumably three-day staff match, four-day main match. 
so that they can get 600 people in the main match. So that one, again, at this pace, that'll lose 100,000 plus. So I won't editorialize too much more on those, but I wanted to point to both of those resources as obviously one being official, one being highly unofficial. But at this point, as depressing as it is, it is we're very lucky that someone within the organization is willing to pass information to Derek and Derek is willing to publish it because we are not going to get this kind of information out of any any other method, it looks like. To just as an example, not that I'm saying Scott would try this, but Scott did an episode, Scott Arnberg, Area 3 director, did an episode with Joel from Training Group Live talking about the Area 3 match, a lot of administrative stuff, but Scott has also been releasing some financial information and he's willing to, he's distributed it to his section coordinators. And if you reach out, I'm sure he'd be happy to to share the, the Area 3 finances because he doesn't have anything to hide. And that was a match where... They were able to take care of all their staff, take care of all their competitors. They had cash payouts, which I think is is very encouraging. I think, as best I know, that makes Area 3 and Area 4, I believe, this year had had cash payouts, which I think is a it's a it's a good trend. I think it's something that, that I'd like to see more of in the sport. But if you have a guy like Scott, who is an open book, who wants to show the good, bad, and the ugly, even if he wanted to release this this level of information that, that Derek is able to through some kind of insider source to get, I don't think he he would be allowed to. Uh, it just doesn't doesn't sound like that is the way that the board currently operates, which I think is is a huge issue. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's not the board's money. It's not USPSA's money. It's not the employee's money. It's not the managing director's money. It's the members' money. We are just managing it. We are just stewards for it. But it is it is the members have a right to know where it's going. And so if a member wants to ask, hey, what's the the detailed cost breakdown on this nationals? Why should that be kept secret from them? It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. So the third topic that I wanted to cover is also via practical shooting insights. And this is one of those cases where, again, he is willing to publish these things basically because he's already been banned. So what can they do to him? He's told them, Hey, I, I would like to withdraw my life membership. I no longer want to be a member in USPSA. So they really have no leverage over him, but he is still willing to, to publish these things. Honestly, because in the case of, of this, I think other people are scared. So he has a, a post up and a link to it in the show notes talking about uh, an incident that he has gotten from a number of people during the, the staff match at the currently ongoing PCC open national championship where Troy McManus, director of NROI came up in the middle of a, a squad shooting and started chewing out one of the staff members, one of the guys who's shooting the staff match and will be working the rest of the match chewed him out for sharing some of Derek's posts on social media. And from what Derek was saying, it was apparently in particularly around some of the posts where Derek is saying that according to his sources, that the someone or some group of people at USPSA headquarters has the ability to see the vote totals in the ongoing elections. So they probably already know who's, if someone has a a significant lead, they know who it is in the, in the president and the area six runoff. Derek had posted about that. This guy had apparently shared that post and maybe some others. And Troy was basically saying that he, he was threatening to either stop him from shooting the staff match or working nationals and basically said, made it clear that he was not welcome back to work nationals in the future, all over sharing this, this content. So obviously extremely unprofessional conduct 
as well as, again, going after people who are already there to work the match and have signed up to volunteer and threatening them to not let them volunteer in the future as though volunteering is some great privilege instead of obviously something he should be grateful for, having having staff willing to travel and, and come work the match and take the take the time off and all that, being appreciative of these people. But I reached out to a couple of folks who were there at the incident and said, yep, that's basically how it happened. But obviously they don't want to say anything publicly. Honestly, I have misgivings. I don't know what will come from me talking about this publicly, but it needs to be covered. I'm not saying that I was there. I'm not saying I saw anything, but I'm saying there are credible reports of this and the board should absolutely investigate and figure out what actually happened. And if things pan out the way it sounds, which it sounds pretty bad, then something needs to happen. Disciplinary action needs to be taken. And it's worth saying this is, from what I have heard over the years, this is not the first time, this is the first time something exactly like this has happened, but it is not the first time that Troy has acted this way to staff or competitors at a match. And I have heard secondhand stories of of various incidents. There's one documented one where a, a guy actually got video. I'll link to it in, in the show notes. But basically the short version is it's a, a dad of a junior shooter. He says his kid has some kind of allergies to the, the propellants and the spray paint they use to paint the targets. So his kid doesn't go and paint the targets between shooters. And Troy basically calls him a, a liar, says his son is cheating by not painting the targets because I guess walking around is, you know, work that that uh, the other shooters have to do. And so he's gaining some kind of unfair advantage. And they have kind of some a verbal skirmish that the dad records one day. And then Troy comes back the next day with a, a paintbrush and a can of paint, basically wanting the dad to get the kid to, to hand paint instead of using the, the spray paint. And the dad basically says, no, I'm not going to do that. Are you crazy? Now, some people have criticized this video because the dad comes off as as kind of a little bit grating and annoying and you can make your make up your own mind about whether you think this is something that is a legitimate disability or not but the fact of the matter is Troy's walking around basically saying that the dad is a liar calling him a cheater calling his son a cheater and this is just the the one incident that is on video that got captured and and this dad was willing to to post on YouTube and who knows how many other incidents have happened like this that people are genuinely afraid to post about publicly, to talk about publicly, to go on record about because the chance that they will either be blackballed or have issues as they just try and go about being a competitor. I mean, I think it was, was it 2022 or 2021, the year that Tanfo Timmy was told that if he, if any stickers, if any of his stickers were found in any of the porta potties, he would be DQ'd from the match, even though there was no proof, there was no way to prove that he was the one actually putting them on. So again, it's it's this attempt to use power in a way to intimidate people into compliance. That how many other times has this has this happened? Is this a pattern? I mean, we have three data points now. The board. As far as I know, I mean, not that they would publish this kind of thing. They'd, they'd put it in an executive session. So who knows what has actually been done about it. But if there are incidents like this happening on a regular basis, this is an issue. And this needs to be taken seriously. It needs to be investigated and actions need to be taken. Do I think the, the current board will do that? No, 
And I think that's why we need folks on the board who are independent, folks who aren't, for example, worried about losing their RM certification. And again, maybe maybe they come after me for this. Maybe you know I get my CRO yanked or something gets filed on me at the, the NC section. I, at this point, I I don't know what to what to expect, except just that, that we've got to talk about these things. Actions need actions. Stories like these need to be investigated, and if substantiated, measures need to be taken. So one last note here: there is a current survey. Another survey has been launched. Uh, if you go to uspsa.org slash surveys, you can fill this one out. This one is exactly one yes or no question, and it basically asks, should production be raised from 10 rounds to 15 rounds? And the reason this is happening is in the, the bylaws rewrite from 2022, they they amended the bylaws. So one of the complaints that I and others had was around gear rules being changed willy-nilly on very little notice. Infamously, there was the the time when they changed the rules right before production and single stack and revolver nationals. I think the nationals was in April or May and they changed the rules in March, something like that. And uh, it was, yeah, it, not the way it should be done. So as a part of the bylaws rewrite in, in uh, 2022, they added bylaw 16-2, 16.2, which just says that basically the board will evaluate all the, the proposed rule changes, vote to present them to the membership, Proposed personnel, personal competition rule changes will be posted on the website and notice will be sent to the membership via electronic communication by September 1st of each calendar year. And the members will have 90 days minimum to view and comment on proposed personal competition equipment rules changes. Does a yes or no survey count as a comment? I guess. But I mean, I think the idea and the thing that I've pushed for is the the notion that we shouldn't just necessarily be taking a, a straw poll, a yes/no vote on whether something is a good idea, but we should be evaluating pro and con arguments. So, for example, I saw that uh, Ted Murphy had posted on Facebook about this survey being open, and somebody commented to say there are a bunch of states with ten-round mag capacity limits, so we should just leave it at ten for them. And my counter argument to that would be, well, we have rule 3.3.1, which says in any state with a magazine capacity limit, that is the capacity limit for all divisions. So the argument would be production would stay at 10 rounds in those states that that have that limit. And so at that point, in, we would actually have a discussion and a back and forth and, and possibly have an argument that is raised and answered and resolved. It might be addressing some issue that isn't actually an issue for one reason or another, such as the fact that we already have a rule in the books that says that in mag capacity states, production stays at at the the legal limit, or well, all divisions supposed are supposed to be at the legal limit. So, to me, the the idea of and in in this comment thread, Ted Murphy's response was, "Please fill out the survey." So he he didn't try and educate the member. He didn't try and respond to the the discussion. He just said, "Oh, go you know, click yes or no." So to me, th- this idea of rule changes by popularity contest by consensus it just it doesn't doesn't make sense now that said it seems like as i was advocating the the idea of whatever fits the box at one point one of the discussions was production should go to however much you can jam in the magazine with as big of a base pad as you can fit on the gun with the whole thing still fitting in the production box it sounds like that proposal is off the table so we'll see if the 15 round thing happens that is the only rule that is on this survey. So 
I can only infer that that is the only rule change that they intend to make. So uh, I it's a couple years too late at this point. You know, production is is so dead. I don't know that even 15 rounds will really bring it back. I, it would definitely, I think, enhance my enjoyment of it. I, I hope that it will bring a few people back. I hope that people getting into the sport will find shooting a, a stock irons gun with 15 rounds to be more interesting than 10, but we will see. I don't think it can really hurt anything at this point. Uh, I voted yes. I've been in favor of going to production 15 for at least six years now, but there you are. If you want to, to vote in that survey, you can. Again, I'm, I'm not sure that it really complies with the, the the spirit of the bylaws about actually soliciting comments, but the, the, the survey system is there and you can vote and that I presume will be taken as as the outcome of the of whether the, the rule change is ratified but we will see so that wraps up everything that i had to talk about today we have the north carolina section happening next week so i'll be out of town we'll be shooting we'll be doing setup thursday shooting friday and then running the match saturday a.m saturday p.m and then sunday doing teardown and get on the road back home and uh and be back in our own bed by by sunday night so It'll be a long weekend, but I could not be looking forward to it more. It's the first time the the match has has sold out since Steph took over with everything with the the fallout from the previous year's cancellation. And so that that was 2019 was the first year that that she was involved with running the match. And then obviously with 2020 COVID and everything. Uh, so this is the first year that it's actually sold out. I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully put on a really great match for everyone, for everyone to see kind of what we think in North Carolina represents what a really high quality level two match could and should be. And so for everyone that's, that's coming, I'm looking forward to to getting to meet you to everybody. Who's not, hopefully you'll be able to see some, some match video and I'm sure we'll be talking about how the match went and things that went well, lessons learned. There are always lessons learned. And uh, I'm sure I'll be back talking about that in two weeks. So thanks everyone. And uh, that's all I got. That wraps up this episode of Short Course. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is bennettberryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.